I want to talk to you this morning about a, uh, a message that may be a little bit odd for the last Sunday of 2019, last Sunday of the year, but I felt like the Lord put this on my heart about not seeing where we are now, but looking into the future. So I, I would think that this would be a, a vision casting, uh, to, to cast a vision where we need to go in 2020. In no way can I say all of it today, but, and that's, that's part of this time, this season of prayer and fasting that we're going to be entering into. It's not a routine. God forbid it be a ritual. I don't want to fast just to endure hunger. <laughs> that ain't no fun to me, but I want to see a spiritual significance. I want to see my life changed. I want to see my heart softened. I need, above everything else, we need a new baptism in God's love. We need a fresh baptism of his love. People are so uh, on edge nowadays and so tense and hate and just all the things that are going on, the anti-Semitism and just the anti-humanism that's going on around the world today. Just people, and it's just exactly what Jesus and others, the prophets forewarned would happen in the days that we're living in. If you don't think we're living in the last days, you really need a wake-up call. You really need some help there. Uh, we definitely are living in those last of the last days. But I feel like this message today, we're going to talk about the nature of our inheritance looking forward. And I'm going to use that parable that Jesus talked about, the sower, the seed, and the soil. So when I'm talking to you today, what I'm saying to you is we need to train our spiritual eyes to be able to see our destiny in terms of the, or see our inheritance in the terms of the future destiny that the Lord has for us. If I could demonstrate this today and bring in a, a plot or a, some soil and have some seeds and that had been planted, and if I were to ask you, and you would see those seeds in that soil, if I were to ask you, what do you see, there would be several different responses from people. Some people would say, I don't see anything. Other people may take a closer look and say, well, I see some small seeds. Others would say, well, I can see a future tree or a future plant growing out of this. Others may be able to see, well, I see a forest, or I see an orange grove, or I see a pecan uh, grove. Just recently, we were in Savannah, and we went to the country to visit Sylvia's cousin. Both of them were in the hospital, the cousin and her husband, and uh, facing some, he's facing some critical issues in his life. And they had always told them about, there was a uh, pecan or pecan, depends on where you're from, uh, a processing plant in that town, Metter, Georgia. Anybody heard of Metter? It says Metter where everything's better. Everything's better in Metter. Next to it is Vidalia, where the wonderful onions come from. And uh, Little Chick, the restaurant there is Metter's claim to fame, and everything's better in Metter. Well, they have a pecan, pecan, whichever you want to call it, a processing plant, so we set out to find it. Finally found it on some back road, and but you could see as you drove through the country, and this is country, this is South Georgia country, the grove upon grove of pecan trees there, and uh, how they, you go in there into this huge warehouse, and there's these, I don't know how many uh, volumes of pecans that they hold, but these huge bags with handles that cranes take out of the field and then bring them in to harvest these pecans, but if a person just saw that field, it would be hard for them to imagine the, pr the production that comes out of that. So we're talking about the seed, and, and some see nothing, some see a little, some see a future, some see a whole industry. Like, that's why we're so, and that fits so well in what Cookie shared today and what our other mi missions folks have shared that fits in so well that what they're doing, they're going and they're planting seeds. And they're going and they're watering those seeds for a future harvest and an investment to see something greater. You know, doing a, a water well. We did one of those one time in Cameroon. I knew nothing about a well, and the Lord laid it upon our heart. And I said, God, I don't know anything about a well. And, and I just looked and, and Googled and searched and everything and finally stumbled upon CBN of all places, right here in our backyard in Virginia Beach, backyard, front yard, whichever they are. And Kim Mitchell, which, uh, Cookie, you need to connect with Kim Mitchell, Mr. Kim Mitchell from uh, CBN. That, that's what they do in that area and many other things, but we'll talk about that later. But what these folks are doing is sowing that seed and watering that seed. And what they see when they go and what you and I need to see for our future 
your personal life and us corporately as a congregation, what we need to see is not only what's right in front of us, we need to be able to recognize the potential and the value of the potential that's out there before us. And so as sons and daughters and heirs of God and joint heirs along with Jesus Christ, we need to be able to see and understand what's available to us through heaven's resources for the future that God's given to us. I know the world is, 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 is rough right now. It's not good news anywhere. Every time you turn the news on, there, there's, there's warfare here. There's people getting injured here. There's attacks here in other countries, various countries and cities. And it's, it's just unbearable. And it's going to, unfortunately, those things are going to increase according to what Yeshua Jesus said. That's the truth. That's just reality. That's not being negative. That's just being real. It's going to increase. We, we pray it'll stop. We pray it'll lessen. We pray somebody will get in office. Well, the one that's going to probably end up in office one day is the Antichrist. And he'll be the one that puts things to rest. And that's why people will, will, will go and rally around him. But in, that's not going to happen. But you and I are called to be and realize that the future for us as a child of God's bright. I know we said it a thousand times, but all you got to do is read the end of the book. We win. I'm in the book of Revelation right now, reading through the, reading through the Bible in a year. We're almost to complete. We got a, just a couple of more days left reading in the book of Revelation. It starts out good. It gets rough. But right now I'm entering in the part where the lamb, the king appears and he puts everything in order, and he rules and he reigns a thousand years. And thank God, I just read it this morning, yesterday and this morning. He actually takes the devil, the beast, and the false prophet and locks them up in a pit for a thousand years. That's temporary, but a thousand years while he rules and reigns on the earth, they're loose for a season. And it's amazing to me that people will actually side with them to try to go against the Lord and his followers, but the Lord quickly puts an end to them. I had read that and I said, I wrote it in my Bible. I went, hallelujah, that the enemy will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever, it says. Man, I wrote right there. I wrote it in my Bible. I said, hallelujah for that. I'm anxious for the day. I'm ready for the day in a good way that Jesus comes, that Jesus restores the peace. He restores his kingdom totally in completion in this world. We have his kingdom now. But what you and I need to look at in 2020 and beyond is the parable that Jesus talked about in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 4. I chose that particular gospel to share it. Jesus talked about the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soil. And after he said to them, they were scratching their heads going, what does this mean? And he said to them, don't you grasp or understand this parable? If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the other parables? He said, the sower sows the word. We know what the word is. We'll talk about that in a minute. These are the ones beside the road where the word is sown. Whatever they hear, Satan comes quickly and he takes away the word that's been sown in them. Well, I've known people like that, haven't you? The gospel was preached to them. They accepted the Lord. But where are they today? Where are they? Things happen in their life. Whenever they hear, Satan comes quickly, takes the word away that's been sown in them. These are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately, they receive it with joy, but because they have no root in themselves, because they haven't taken the time, they haven't been discipled, and they haven't taken the time to be discipled and to grow in the Lord, it says that they last only for a short while. You know, there's a lot of people that have begun this race they look like, wow, man, they, they just, they're really going to do something for the kingdom of God. But a year or two or several years down the road, where are they today? It's only those that finish, that endure, that will receive the kingdom of the Lord. He said, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. Listen, folks, that's coming. Uh, say, Pastor, preach us something that will make us happy this last Sunday. I'm going to preach something that's real to you because you and I need to be prepared for 2020 and beyond. Is that okay? He said, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, it's coming. It's coming to the United States of America. It's already here, but it's going to increase. He said, because of this persecution and trouble because of the word, immediately they'll fall away. Listen, somebody shared with us last night in, in soaking that they had an experience with the Lord. They said, the Lord is doing a shaking. And we said, yeah. And they begin to weep. And, and they said, the trouble's coming. We said, we understand that. We don't like to hear that. We like comfort, don't we? Yeah, we do. Just not, yes, you do. You like to be comfortable. You don't like to hear the word trouble. But she said, trouble's coming. 
But you know what? That trouble that's coming, it's the Lord that's shifting and shaking things up so that the real will stand up. It's so that the real for God will stand up because those that aren't real, they're going to get blown away. They're not going to be able to take it. They're, they're not going to, they don't have the roots. They don't have the heart. Uh, the, and then he said, there's others that are sown seed that's sown among the thorns. And they've heard the word, but the worries of this world and the cares or the seduction of wealth, one translation said, the cares of life and the desire for other things have entered in and choke out the word and the word becomes unfruitful. And then he finally said, thank God. He said this, and there are those that the seed is sown on the good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and out of that they produce fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those that hears the word, receives the word, lives the word. We were just listening to the Bible this morning being read to us as we got ready for today. And, and he talks, and the, and the scripture comes out of John, and, he, and Jesus said this, those who love me keep my commandments. If you ever wonder if you really love the Lord, look at your life and see if you're keeping his commandments. That's the test. That's the test. If you really love him, you keep his commandments. Words are cheap. Words are easy to say. Words are easy to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. It's if you keep his commandments. There are three S's in this parable that Jesus told about. The sower, the seed, and the soil that the seed falls into. And the whole point of this parable is that the harvest you and I receive in our life personally and then corporately as the body of Christ, the harvest that we receive, it depends entirely on the kind of soil that we sow the seed into. Our future depends on us having the right seed and sowing it into the proper soil. Now, I want to look at these three elements just for a few moments. What is the right seed? Well, in reality, you and I already have the right seed. If you've got the Word of God, you've got the right seed. You've got the Word of God that's imperishable, that's indestructible, that will change a person's life. Let me give you four scriptures about that and move on and say something else. Psalm 1831, as for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is pure. You're not going to get any better than the Bible, than the Word of God, and the message that he reads. When you open the book, when you open the Bible, and you read God's Word, it is living, it is life, it'll guide you, it'll rebuke you, it'll correct you, it'll chastise you, but it's all for your welfare and your benefit. Don't be afraid of reading the Bible and praying and let God's Word speak to you. It is alive, it's living, it'll talk to you. It is God's Word speaking to you. The Word of the Lord is pure, and the Lord is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Jesus said this in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no benefit. Amen. The flesh is of no benefit. The words that I've spoken to you, they are spirit and life. The words that we read, the words that we hear from the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, those are the words of life. And then Romans 1.16, Paul declared, and you and I, this should be our declaration, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile or the pagan or the heathen world. It's the gospel that saves. It's the gospel that still saves today. It's God's word. It's God's truth that will hold us. It'll keep us. It'll help us. It'll empower us. It'll make us effective in the day and the time that we're living in and the future. A lot of people are trying to do away, water down with God's word, make, say God's word is irrelevant. God's word is the most relevant power and word that you can get yourself attached to and connected to in your life today. It will never change. It will keep you. It will guide you. It will offer hope to you and comfort to you. God's word. I feel like Pastor Greg in the Kids Fest, God's word. If you come to that, you know what I'm saying. If you don't, you ought to. And then lastly, there's many more, but just lastly for here today, 1 Peter 1.20 says this, you've been born again, but you weren't born from perishable seed. Talking about that seed. You weren't born from some seed that, that rots or decays or never produces anything. If you've ever planted a garden or tried to plant a tree or a plant and, and it didn't grow, it didn't take root and it dies, I've had that happen. I've tried to plant shrubbery before and it just, it was the wrong time and the wrong place. The soil wasn't good. And it just didn't make it. It died. But, and, and, but he said, you've been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable, which is never decaying. That word imperishable means it never decays. 
through the living and enduring word of the Lord. You and I need to read the Bible. You and I need to study the word in 2020 like we've never studied it before. We need to get ourselves in the book. It'll comfort you. It'll help you. It'll strengthen you. It'll give you direction. It'll, it'll give you the answers that you're looking for. It'll, it'll give you the principles of how to do business. It'll give you principles how to minister to your family. It'll give you principles how to be a Christian and a believer that people will be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that word of God. I, 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 I love reading the word of God, but not just reading it. I love meditating it. When a scripture speaks to me, I just stop with that scripture and I'll read it again. And then I'll look at the words, and then sometimes I'll hit, I'll hit the word study portion and just see what does that word in that verse mean, because that, that, illum, that illuminates it even more and, and helps me to understand it more. But then it's the application to apply what the word is saying. What does that mean for me today? Lord, how can I do this today? When you make up your mind and you love the Lord, he said, you will keep my commandments. So it's from that imperishable seed, which uh, that never decaying through that living word of God, you and I have been born again. You and I have been born again. The next element we want to look at is not just the seed. We have the right seed. You've got the right seed. It's the word of God. You don't have to go somewhere else, look for something else. You have the right seed, the word of the living God. If you would tell people God's word, they may not like it. And most people probably are not going to like it. But you know that you've done the right thing when you shared God's word with them. But God's word has an ability to it that once it's planted and once it's sown, it, it, it'll grow. It may sit there and may look to be dormant. And people that I've witnessed to and ministered to for, for, for years, especially family members. Some of you have family that you minister to. It feels like they're ignoring you. It feels like nothing you have ever said about the Lord and the word of God is making any difference in their life. I want to tell you that God's word has an ability. It will not return void, but it will accomplish what God sends it forth to do. You've got to trust God's word. You do your part. You're not the Holy Spirit. You do your part. You be the messenger. You give the word and you pray over that word and you, God will use you or somebody else to come at different times and water that seed that's been planted, but you just got to believe, God, I'm claiming, I'm declaring, your word will not return void. It will accomplish, Lord, what you send it to do. The right seed, we've got that. Now let's look at the sower. The sower is told to go, and we'll look at other scriptures where Jesus already tells us to go. Go is commanded 7,186 times in the Bible. That's a lot of going. That means we need to be moving forward. We need to be doing something. We need to be going, not sitting. We need to be going and sowing, not sitting and soaking. Now, there is a time to soak in the Lord, yes. There's a time that you feed yourself, but then you've got to do something with it. If I can be plain today, God's tired of his church, his bride, God... Oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble. Please, God doesn't want some fat, ugly bride to marry his son, Jesus. He wants a lean, clean, fighting bride. Now, don't be offended of that. I'm talking spiritual, okay? I'm talking spiritual. Don't let your mind get in a gutter, and don't let your mind start judging pastor by the words I just said. God's looking for a bride that'll take his word, that'll live his word, that'll be his, his vessel and his instrument. God wants us to go. And you and I, in 2020, we have got to go. Listen, all of these groups that are against the Lord and are against you and I as a believer and want to see us shut up, want to see us shut down, they want the church to shut down. I've got in my office uh, a, 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 an advertisement from a realtor, and we have some realtor people here in this congregation right here this morning. I, have, I just opened the mail. It came sometime this week. There are four churches, two in Hampton, two in Newport News. They're up for sale. Now, it could be, I haven't had time to research it. It could be they relocated and built another building and they're selling the old one. But I don't think that's true with all of them, all four of them. But instead of growing and opening new churches, there's four of them for sale, four buildings. And most of them are downtown Hampton and Newport News. Now, I don't know the reason for that, like I said, so I don't want to judge that. But listen, we need to be going, not, not letting the world intimidate us, not letting the world trying to shut us down. We've got things going on. Listen, from, from the secular world, from politicians, we got the, listen, if they get their will, they're going to shut us down and shut our voices. 
That's their will. But you and I need to go. You and I need to go. We don't need to get out there mean, violent. We need, don't need to get out. We don't need to get out there mean and violent, but we need to get out there faithful, full of God's spirit, full of God's love, going in the name of Jesus. We need to be one of those 7,186 times that the Bible says to go. We need to join into that go and go and tell. So that's what the sower does. So that's what a sower does. He has to carry the seed. And that's why God's trusted you with this imperishable, precious seed of the gospel. That, and we've got to get that in our heart. We just can't wait for people to come in here and come to us. We've got to go to them. They don't know where to go to find answers. Some of them are burned out on church. They're burned out. They love Jesus, but they can't stand the church. Because the church is people that have hurt them, wounded them, and offended them. Let's not be of that nature. Let's love them. Let's help heal their wounds. Anybody with me this morning? So you've been called to be a sower. And a sower carries that seed. You can't say, well, leave it up to the pastor. Leave it up to the evangelism team. Leave it up to those people that have the gift. No, every one of us has been called to carry this precious seed of which we've been born again. And you have to prepare yourself to go and carry the seed. You have to sow it at the right time. Listen, some people aren't ready to hear the gospel, and you can't, you can't tug at green fruit. You can't pick green fruit when it's not ready. Some people aren't ready. Sometimes you just have to love people. You, sometimes you just have to endure with people. Sometimes you just have to put up with people. You have to put up with their meanness. You have to put up with their attacks against you. You have to put up with what they say against you or about you. Sometimes you just have to put up with them, and you have to keep loving them and keep showing them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You keep sowing, and you keep watering. And see, that's the test. They're watching to see how you're going to react. They're watching to see if you're really genuine. They're watching to see if you really live what you say you believe in. Because if you don't, you're marked up on the list. You are a hypocrite. You can say it, but you don't live it. And they've seen enough of that, and they're hurt because of that. We need to be genuine. We need to carry that seed. You have to, there has to be an interest on the part of us as a sower to be prepared to sow. We need to prepare ourselves. Wonderful, beautiful scripture out of Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears will reap with a song of joy. I'm telling you, when you're praying for somebody, there's a whole lot of tears in there. There should be. There's a whole lot of tears when your heart's broken over a, a person, a family member, or somebody you know, or somebody that the Lord connects you with. They break your heart, what they're involved in, what they come and they share with you. You said, listen, there's a better life for you in Jesus. If you just surrender to the Lord, he'll give you peace. He'll fix that issue that you're in. He'll, he'll help heal that relationship that you're going through. But they, they still go and they plunder through their own crazy way. And they break your heart. And so there's, there's tears but it says we need, to, we need to sow in tears and we're going to reap with a song of joy. Whoever keeps going out weeping. Did you hear that? Whoever keeps continuously, doesn't stop, won't let up, won't be discouraged over, won't be deterred, won't be backed up, won't be intimidated. Whoever keeps going out weeping, carrying his bag of seed, not putting it down, not saying, I give up, I quit on them. They're not worth it anymore. I've tried. They're hard-headed. They're stubborn. They're never going to come to the Lord. They're never going to get straightened out. They're never going to surrender. But you keep going out weeping with that attitude of brokenness, carrying the bag of seed. The promises will surely come back with a song of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. I want to challenge us, me, us in 2020 lord lay somebody upon my heart it may be a family member it may be somebody you work with it may be somebody you uh, see often regularly in your walk of life at the store at the cash register or some kind of relationship like that lord lay somebody on my heart that's on your heart god you know we sang one of those choruses this morning i forget which one but it talks about having the heart of god we say those words. <laughs> we say those words, God, give me your heart. But that's exactly what we need to let God do to us. God, give me your heart for the lost. The Bible warns us that in the last days, sin would so abound that the love of many will wax cold. Things are going to get 
worse. I'm sorry to say that, but I'm just being honest with you and being real with you. Things are going to get more tense. Things are going to get more violent. Things are going to get worse. I'm sorry, but it's going to happen that way. And people's hearts are growing cold and hard. People don't trust people anymore. People don't want to be, you know, uh, invest in people anymore. But you and I, as God's people, we need a brokenness. We need God's heart that looks upon this lost world and says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how dirty you are. I don't care how messed up you are. God loves you and I love you and I'll invest in you and I'll sow into you the right word of the Lord until you come to the knowledge of Jesus and then I'll be there and I'll help you. We've got to take people on our heart, folks. And not be so consumed. Yeah, I'm I'm going to talk about us in a minute. You've got to feed yourself so that when you go out, you've got something to share with a person. But the believer who has God's heart for the lost is broken. I can't begin to comprehend how when God looks upon this earth, his heart is broken. God looked upon this earth when the days of Noah and it grieved his heart that he'd even made mankind. I can't imagine what his heart is like now. With all the opportunities that people have to receive Christ, the preaching, the gospel. And and in some countries, in some places, there is revival. But I can't imagine the brokenness of God's heart in the hour that we live in. That humanity and his creation is so turned against him. And listen, we're we're not against people that are lost we're not against people that live what they call a, another lifestyle or another choice, you know, and, and trying to convince everybody else that this is normal, this is natural, except me. This is how God created me. I don't believe that. I don't believe God created you that way. I believe that there's deception has come in, and you're deceived, and you're thinking that, you know, that you can do a same-sex marriage or a relationship or like that. I love you. I love you as a human being. I love you as a person, but to do not agree with your philosophy or your theology or your, your view of God's creating you, he didn't create you that way. And most of those folks end up thinking that way because they've been hurt, they've been violated, they've been wounded. But they need you and I to love them. They need you and I to, to not condone what they do, but to receive them as they are. Did you hear that? Not condone what they do, but to receive them as they are because that's how God found every one of us in this room with those listening. He found you where you were and he loved you and his love is what caused and won your heart and caused you to want to become like him and to change. We need a brokenness. The sower is always prepared to sow or to share the seed of the gospel to those who've never have had an encounter with him yet. But we go broken, we go weeping, but we return rejoicing, bringing a harvest of the lost with us. Matthew 28, you know that scripture well. It says there, Jesus said, go, make disciples. Not just bring them to church. I know we use the info cards to invite people, but I've told you it's more than inviting them to a service. You're inviting them into the kingdom. You're inviting them into a relationship with a Savior, with a God that loves them. It's got to be more than just bringing them into the building. We've got to work on getting them into the building, but then we've got to work on... Listen, it's, it's not just my ministry. It's not just my place. It's just not my responsibility. It's all of our responsibility to carry seed and to win people to the Lord. They're going to listen to you before they'll ever come here to hear me. So Jesus said, go, make disciples of all the nations, immersing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And the Lord says this, remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's known as the Great Commission. That's the go. But then in Matthew 10... It gives us the motivation for going. Why bother? Why bother to a world that's rejected God? Why bother to a world that's turned its back on its creator? Why bother? And he said, as you go, there's another one of those 7,186 times of go, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here. Listen, we need to change. If you've got the old concept that the kingdom of heaven is when you die in the sweet by and by. 
Listen, we need the kingdom of God here in the rough here and now. And Jesus said, my kingdom has come. The kingdom of God has come. He never took it back. He did not retract the kingdom when he ascended back to heaven. He left it in charge of us. That's scary. He left it in charge of 11 questionable men who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that revolutionized, empowered, and changed their lives, that they were so in love with Jesus, they were willing to die and give their life for him. I wonder sometimes if we're willing to die for him. I said, Lord, am I willing? I don't know if I'm willing to die for you. The Lord said, I've got an answer for you. And I said, what is it, Lord? He said, if you're, if you're willing to live for me, you will be willing to die for me. You've got to think about that a minute. If you're willing to live for me every day, all the time. If you're willing to live for me, you'll be willing to die for me. I said, Lord, help me every day, every moment, 24-7, that I belong to you. And that, Lord Jesus, I'm surrendered to you. I struggle with that. I know I struggle with my flesh myself. I, don't, I know you probably don't, but I do. I still have issues. I still have stuff. I still have flesh. I know you're all shined up and everything's good. But he said, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Listen to what Jesus said. What's the kingdom of heaven? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse us with leprosy, drive out demons. Go to that young man that's got AIDS, love him, preach the gospel to him, pray for him, and believe God to heal him, resurrect him, and become a miracle, a walking miracle, and a testimony of the goodness and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is alive and well on planet earth today. That's what's going to cause people to know Jesus is real in the kingdom of heaven. He said, preach the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? To go heal the sick. There's no sick in heaven. This man sitting right here, Robert, came here months ago, sat on the back row on a Saturday night soaking, Critically ill, I can't even remember all that was wrong with him, but several major issues that were wrong with him and his organs and Gail and, and David brought him in here and, and we prayed over him and I'm sure other people have prayed over him, not just us. But he's here today testifying. He testified to me in the lobby on the way in. He said, I'm absolutely healed. He said, I'm absolutely healed. It's real today. Sylvia and I go to Brazil and others have gone to Brazil because I want to see I don't only want to see and stand there and watch. I want to lay my hands on blind eyes and see Jesus heal them. I want to lay my hands on people and see stuff that's wrong with them be healed and fixed right then. Not sometime after they go to the doctor. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against them. God works through that too. I'm not against that. But we serve a God that can do miracles today still. And I want to go there, and that's why we've gone there. And we've gone there because we want to be under that influence. We want to learn how to pray that kind of prayer. We want to learn how to have that kind of faith. And we want to bring it home to you. We want to see you healed. But we want to infect you. And I said it the way I meant it. We want to infect you, that you get hungry and say, I want to be that kind of believer that when I lay my hands on people, they are healed. Listen, this is not just about a few choice people that God selected. Whomsoever, he said, when you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here, is near and here. Heal the sick. And then he said, raise the dead. Well, we've practiced on a couple of people that have died. We hadn't had anybody raised from the dead physically. We've had some people that were spiritually dead that were raised to life and came to Jesus Christ. We've had some people that were backslidden that were dead that came back. But I'm waiting for the day to lay my hands on somebody who's absolutely stone cold dead and see them come back to life because the Lord Jesus said, this is the kingdom and this is the message. If you can't get excited about that, You need revival. I'm trying to think of a nice way to respond to that. But heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, and drive out demons. The devil is no match for you because Jesus is inside you and the Holy Spirit. And some of you have never had that experience of, of encountering somebody demonic or you've never had that experience to where you were confronted by somebody with the devil and you had to do something to help them. First time it happened to me, scared me to death. It did. We were in Bible college and we were in the prayer room. Sylvia and I worked at a, an outreach mission and we had service. Uh, we had a, a, a 
chapel service that night, and we were down in the, the, the prayer room. Stephen, you remember Stephen, Sylvia? I don't even remember his last name. Stephen was with us, and Sylvia and I, we were in the prayer room, and we were praying because we were going to go do service at our outreach church that we worked with. And there was a guy on campus. He was a pastor's son. He was in Vietnam. He was messed up from that, and he became demonized. I mean, this guy's the real deal. He, would, he lived off campus, he'd burn candles at night, he'd chant, and people, other students that lived in that same housing complex, I mean, they were, these are grown men were afraid of him. I said, man, he is weird. We would go into the, uh, the common area, the cafe, I forget what it was called, the common area there at Lee College at that time, and Stephen and I, uh, we, we'd be there, uh, Sylvia and I, we were dating then, and we'd go down, this guy would sit in the back corner of, of the common area, that little cafe there, and he'd sit there and he'd just, he'd, he'd stare at people with the most evil, wicked, I mean, you couldn't even look at him, it was like a horror movie, it really was bad, and you know, here we are, I'm a few years old in the Lord, I don't know how Stephen, old Stephen is in the Lord, Sylvia's grown up in the church all her life, spirit-filled all her life, but here we are, and this guy, he is, he is demonized, and, and there's reports to the administration about him, nobody's done anything about him. He just runs loose and does what he wants to do. And so we're in that prayer room that night preparing to pray and then go to that church to minister. And Stephen and Sylvia and I, we're praying, and the door opens, and you didn't even have to look up to see who it was that walked in. You felt it. You felt darkness. You felt evil. And we were at the altar praying. It was a long altar, wooden altar. And he went to the opposite end of that, and he put his elbows on the end of that altar and just put his hands in his face in his hands and just glared evilly at us and stared at us. I didn't have to look up. I knew who it was. I knew who it was. I didn't want to look up. I was scared. And Stephen went to him after a while and Stephen went to him and, and tried to minister to him and take the Bible. He took the Bible and he ripped it up. I mean, this was a real day. And here, the three of us, the three of us, we're down there alone with this character. Oh, God, if you've ever, and I, I, st I, I only looked up and saw him rip the Bible. Man, I ducked my head again. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I, I learned to pray in tongues real good that night. And, and everything in you wanted to just get out of there and run. Just get. Just leave. Just flee. Leave. Run. I mean, run. It was evil. It was dark. It, it was horrible. And the Holy Spirit said, if you run tonight, you'll run from the devil the rest of your life. And we, we stood up to him. We tried to minister to him. He didn't receive it. He didn't accept the Lord. He went on, but we began to pray for him. Instead of being angry and like somebody needs to get rid of him, he needs to be driven out of here, he needs to be eradicated, he needs to be locked up, he needs to go to a, a mental institute. Instead of that, God would break my heart and I would spend, I know, hours in my dorm room praying for Jim. God save him, God deliver him. I don't know how to do it, Lord. I don't know what to do, but God, he needs you so desperately. He is a real deal devil with him. And would weep and, and, and pray for him. And God began to educate me. And it may be scary at first. But what you and I need is for God to so break our heart. Like Jesus saw the demoniac. When everybody else on that island was afraid of him. And would run from him. And wanted nothing to do with him. God needs to so grip and seize our hearts, church, in 2020. That Lord, I'm willing for you to educate me. Oh, it's going to be a, quite an adventure with the Lord. It will be. But God wants, God wants to touch you and God wants to anoint you. I'm not saying everybody running around today is demonized, but I'm telling you what, there's a whole lot of people that are affected and demonized. They may not be possessed, but they are certainly troubled and they are certainly afflicted by the enemy. And you and I carry this seed. You and I carry this word. You and I carry this love. You and I carry this power that they need. And God's looking for you and I to go. And that is our motivation to go. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. 
I'd rather, I'd rather risk being embarrassed praying for Cookie James standing here publicly. I'd rather risk the, the, the opportunity to pray for her than not pray for her. I'd rather risk the opportunity and take the chance to pray for her and the Lord heal her and deliver her of that than not to do what the Holy Spirit told me to do for her. I'd rather risk it. I'd rather risk it. And that's how faith is really spelled, R-I-S-K, risk. That's what your faith is. It's a risk. It's stepping out and saying, Lord, I hear you. I'm going to obey you. Because he said, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus said in that Matthew 10, 7 and 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. He said, because freely you have received, so freely give. Freely give. You and I need a reminder. Listen. The danger of being a believer for a season of time is that we get so accustomed. We get so comfortable with our little world and our little blessing club and our little meeting and our little friends and our little groups. We get so comfortable that we get scales on our eyes and we fail to see there are people out there that desperately need him desperately need the peace that you and I carry, desperately need the joy that you and I have, desperately need the power and the authority that you and I walk in and experience. They need us. They need the message. And you and I in 2020, we've got to make up our mind, Lord, I want to be one of those that is a carrier of your precious seed. I want to carry your seed, Lord, to those that need you. You don't have to go overseas. God's, God has, you have neighbors, you have family members, you have people you work with. God is bringing the nations right here to us in America, right here in Newport News. God has brought the nations among there. Listen, I hope they don't hear this, but we've got a new set of neighbors that are Vietnamese. When you showed that about the Vietnam, listen, there's still a stigma in America against Vietnam. They're still there. My brother fought in the Vietnam War. Many of you are, are, are you know, survivors of that. There's still a stigma in the mind of Americans against those people. And this is what those people, their name are Lan and Nguyen Lee. And they said, we lived in New Jersey. We lived in Hampton. We lived in Newport News. And they said, no neighbor has ever come and visited us in our home. We're not special. We're not something that's super pious or holy. When Sylvia saw that they were Asian, she just was trying to be a good neighbor and walked over there and discovered they're Vietnamese. And I went, wow. Sylvia and I spent a year in California. One Friday every month, we got the Jesus. It was a video then, if you'll remember that. And we started, we printed up flyers. We had to find somebody that could do it in Vietnamese. And we printed up flyers, advertising, promoting. And Sylvia would go herself to the, to the mall, the Asian mall, to come, you know, come to this movie. And we'd, ha we'd have about 100 or so come on one Friday of every month. And they'd stand in line. And I said, we want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And we love you. I've never been there. I never had any heart to go there. But we found ourselves in a community that needed Jesus. And, and I'm not pinning any roses on us. It's just the Lord told us to do it, and we did it. We couldn't speak one lick of their language. And we did it. I don't even know how long we did it until finally a pastor, I think it was an Assembly of God pastor, stepped up that was Vietnamese, and he could take these people. that would, the, the, the Jesus thing, it gives them the whole gospel according to Luke, I think it is, and it even gives an altar call. They'd come to the altar and pray, and we didn't even know what to do with them. We couldn't pray with them. We couldn't even talk to them, the ones that couldn't speak English at all. But we finally found a pastor that was a real pastor that was Vietnamese, and he took them, and he pastored them, and they became a church out of that. And when Sylvia said, they're Vietnamese, our heart just reaches out. I said, man, I'm going to get them that, th that movie. And, but I found out it's on YouTube. You don't even have to buy it. They just got to. And their kids are so smart with their computers and everything. They got a little boy, seven-year-old, uh, uh, long. And then the little kid, he's three. Kang, he is a firecracker. Buddy, he is all over the place, all at once. And we are now, we are now Om. I'm Om to them, Grandpa. And Sylvia's ba, that's Vietnamese for grandmother. The oldest one said to their daddy and their mama, can we call them our grandpa and grandmother and grandfather? 
And so they ask, can they call you that? And I said, why not? I got the hair for it, you know, I got, you know, whatever. They came. They came one service. And then they said, you know our family Buddhist. We said, that's okay. That's okay. We love you. You know what they said? We were able to get them furniture. They didn't even have any furniture. That's what, it, that's what alarmed them about us about their situation. They moved in. They didn't even have furniture. We're waiting on the furniture to move in. It never happened. We said, do, do you have furniture? Go, no, no. We have a bed. I won't say too much. So God help them. Help me. But we got them some furniture, and then they opened the door, and just a couple of weeks later, just a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, he said, your family and my family said, we, we won. We won family. He said, your family, you are family. And, they, and that's when they told us that no American has ever come and made us welcome and come to our home and visited them. The other night, Vince Johnson brought his grandkids and Rasha's kids, and uh, uh, I think that was it. And they came to our house. They came this is the second year. They come to our house, and they sing their Christmas carols. They got a little skit they do, and they made up some song about Sylvia and me, and they sing that song to us. But we invited this Vietnamese family over, and they came. They sat on our rug, you know. And listen, these children, they're smart, but they've never heard and they've never seen other children and kids singing, talking about Jesus. We said, we're going to sow some seed. We're going to sow some seed here. And Lord, I believe that you're going to help us win them, win them to you. And, and you know, we're, we're going as slow as we can and, 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 and not, not, you know, not pressing, not pushing too much on them. But we invite them and we're loving them. The main thing is we're loving them. Now, I'm saying that not as to set us up as some pious, some perfect people. We are not. We are not. But we're not even home that much. But when we are, they're looking at the blinds. Norman saw it. Norman picked us up to take us to the airport. They had, it was early in the morning. They had the... You're bringing us home. They had the blinds up and they're waving like this. The kids are in the mirror, window waving. They got this big picture mirror when, and they're in there waving like this. And when they, they saw us go to the uh, airport the first time and, and then the flight was delayed and we had to come back home. This is when we were going to Brazil. And we had to come home and go the next day. He's calling me on the phone. He said, what happened? He said, how come you not go? And so uh, he said, he said we, we, are you okay? I said, yeah, we're fine. We're okay. We just told him what happened. You know, the weather wouldn't let us out. We had to go the next day. I'm not saying that again to make us sound like we're wonderful, great people. I'm just saying we've got to love people. We've got to meet them where they are. Is it convenient? Doing God's will is very rarely convenient. It's very, most of the time God will speak to you to share with somebody, to love somebody, to do something to somebody when you're in the middle of a busy time in your life. But it's when you hear that whisper that you're willing to lay your life down and go minister and love somebody else. And those kids, when we come and ring the doorbell, they're, they got this little window by the side of the door. They're jumping up and down, ba, om, ba, om. That means grandpa, grandma. And they're like just, they're going nuts. Our motivation for going has to be God's love. It's got to be because we freely receive, we freely give away. And then the soil. What's the soil? Yourself. You do have to feed yourself. You do need to have a connection with the Lord. That when you go, you're full of the love of God and the spirit of God. That you can make a difference in somebody's life. So you have to do that. And that's what prayer and fasting is going to be about. It's a period of time that we're going to prepare our hearts. And I, and I want to encourage you. I know we got to work, and I know we got family, but I want to encourage you during this 21 days, of January 2 through 23rd, I want to encourage you as much as you can to slow down, maybe not go to as much activities and extracurricular activities, do what you got to do, because we all got to do stuff. But slow down enough that you spend more time with the Lord. It'll help you personally. And then it'll be an increase in the spirit of God and his presence among the church corporately. So you've got to invest in you as the soil too. But then you invest in your family. 
Joshua 24, you know the scripture. He said, if it seems bad to you to worship the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your fathers worshipped that were beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you're serving. But this was Joshua's declaration, it's mine. But as for me and my household, we will worship the Lord. We will worship the Lord. So if you're a father, if you're a dad, if you're a single mom, if you lead your family to serve and worship the Lord, they may not understand it right now, but you be faithful to it. And then we reach out to our neighbors and strangers. I've really wanted, I've really already said something about that, but I'll wrap it up in this. This was supposed to finish a long time ago. I'm sorry for that. Luke 10. Uh, Jesus, it was a story about Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. Uh, you know about what happens, in, but wanting to vindicate his righteousness, his religiousness uh, to Jesus, this man said, then who's my neighbor? When the Lord said, you know, reach out to people. And then Jesus told him this parable, this story. Jesus replied, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was a Samaritan. They didn't like each other. He was attacked by robbers who stripped him and beat him. They left him. They abandoned him as dead. And after all the religious people walked by him, ignored him, even crossed the street to go on the other side of the street because they wanted nothing to do with him. It says the one man, the Samaritan, came across this beat up, wounded, left for dead man. He took him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured in the oil and the wine, he set him on his own animal, he brought him to a lodge, he took care of him, he left the innkeeper enough money to take care of him until he was well and promised that if it took more, he would pay for it when he came back through. Jesus asked a question in verse 36, which of these three uh, seems to you to be a neighbor to the one that was attacked by the robbers? Of course, the response was the man that showed him mercy. What was Jesus' response in verse 37? Then you go and do the same. And that's what I've just said to you. Reach people who are around you. It's good to reach people in these faraway places. That's good. We should stay and be excited about that. Give our prayers. Go. Give our funds towards doing that. But we've got a harvest right here around the shadow of this church in the neighborhoods right around here that people don't know Jesus. Do you know that in that guest room there's been Sundays where people said, I never saw this church here. I'm going. Mom, I, I tried to control my face and I'm thinking in my mind, this is not a small building. You never saw it before? And they said, you know, I've been looking for a church and all of a sudden I saw this building here. I'm going, wow. <laughs> wow. But there's people in the, around the very shadow of this church in this city that don't know you. I'll never forget that story. I tell that we were downtown ministering at Ridley Circle years ago. And we were trying to go out and gather the kids to come and whoever would come. We had, we had games. We had the blow-up rides. We had hot dogs. We were working with other churches that had other parts of the ministry. We had fun stuff to do and just all kinds of activities for the kids and anybody else to come. Just free stuff just to get them to come. And we'd minister to them, love on them, preach the gospel to them a little bit. But mostly just love on them, tell them people that care. And I was walking the neighborhood. I'm not even sure if Sylvia was with me. You were with me. But we were walking the neighborhood. And we came upon, upon this little girl and this little boy. And the little boy's bike, the chain had slipped off the sprocket, and he had his bike flipped upside down. Been there many times myself as a kid. He's trying to get a chain back on, so we were trying to kind of assist him if, as he led us. And I said, uh, we want to invite you guys to come out here, and after you get fixed up and bike fixed and run again, we want you to invite you to come out here, and we got a lot of stuff for you, food and hot dogs and just games and stuff to play. And, and we're telling you about Jesus. And the little boy said, who's that? I said, Jesus. I said, you know the one that, that came for us and died for us? He said, who's that? And I said, are you, are you telling me you've never, you've never heard of Jesus in, in Sunday school or anything? He said, I've never gone to Sunday school. I said, you've never gone to Sunday school? You've never gone to church? This kid was probably about eight years old, nine years old, 10 max. I said, you've never gone to Sunday school? You don't know who Jesus is. He probably knew who Jesus was as a curse word. I said, you never know who Jesus is. And when I said that, the little girl said, so cute. I said, honey, you keep talking to this guy. They may end up married one day. I don't know. You know, she may win him to the Lord. Who knows? But that was here in Newport News, folks. There's a generation that has grown up and raised. They never have even heard his name other than a curse word. You and I have a great responsibility, but yet a great privilege. And I want to invite you to join the great privilege that the Lord Jesus gives us. I want to close with this today. 
This is a word that was given to me, a prophetic word that somebody from this congregation received and gave to me December the 8th. I've held it until I felt like it was the right time and we're going to say it today and probably use it during the beginning of the fast and the new year. Here's a word that they felt like the Lord. And after I've read it and prayed about it, I say, Lord, I, I agree. The Lord says to us, I'm aligning my house. I'm fine-tuning my church to release the heavenlies in your personal life, family, and business. I've given much to my house. And he's talking about this wow house. I've given much to my house. Now it's a timely order of release. Prepare your hearts to receive my alignment and my kingdom glory will explode in your midst. And did you hear that? Prepare your heart to receive that alignment. And then he said his kingdom glory would explode in our midst. I'm aligning your heart. I'm aligning your eyes. I am aligning your mind. Turn to me only as your source. I am yours for eternity. I have begun the process and nothing can stop it. Isaiah 61 through 3 is on you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. For behold, darkness covers the earth. Yeah, it really is. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But, and I should have emboldened it, but the Lord will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brilliance of your rising. The heavenlies are released on you and my glory will be seen on you. We're going to have this printed. We'll have it available. But you can read it from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. I feel like the Lord has given us a prophetic word, not to end 2019, but to look forward to 2020 and the destiny that the Lord has for you and I. I want to invite you this morning to join into that destiny that the Lord has for us, to take the seed, the good word of God, to prepare our heart as a sower and find the soil to prepare and sow and invest that seed into the Lord needs us to do that. This world is desperate for the truth. And you and I carry that truth. Will you stand with me? Father, I must thank you today for the people in this congregation, such a loving and generous people for your kingdom work. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, that many go and many send those so that they could go. We thank you for this. But Lord, according to your word, there's more for us to do. I pray for us, Lord, here at World Outreach Worship Center. We not become tired or weary in well-doing. That, Lord, we not become complacent or self-satisfied with where we are, what we have. I pray that, Lord, that you would refire, refuel, reignite us with your love and with a passion. That, Lord Jesus, you would Touch us, Lord, to have your heart. We sang it earlier. Touch us to have your heart, God. And if we have your heart and we go after your heart and we're empowered with your heart, we will love people. We will love people that are unlovable. The world has rejected. They're the outcasts. They're the ones like the Samaritan man came upon. They've been beat up and left for dead. And Lord, you'll give us a compassion. And Lord, you'll give us the power. And Lord, you're going to give us the ability because, Lord, people are upon your heart. People are upon your heart. Touch us, Holy Spirit. Touch us in these days. May this word ruminate as we meditate upon it in our spirit, O oh God. Not condemnation, but, Lord, conviction, drawing, wooing, falling greater in love with you, Lord. And when we fall in love with you and have more of you, we'll want to reach people, Father. And that's the real test. We say that we love you. We'll obey you and keep your commandments. Your commandment is go, tell, heal, pray for, raise, bless. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do something fresh and new in us. Lord, some of us here today are weary. We, we need healing in our body. We need healing in our spirit. Some of us, Lord, have been carrying the, running the race and carrying the journey, Lord, but Lord, touch us. Again, I say that scripture, not to be weary in well-doing, for we will reap if we faint not. Lord, we praise you today in Jesus' name. If this morning you'd like to just present yourself to the Lord in this altar and say, Lord, it's me. I want you to have more of me. Use me greater. Lord, I'm in. I'm in for the last day harvest, Lord. 
And if you'd like to present yourself to the Lord today and say, Lord, that's me, I'm in. I want to ask you to just join me in this altar this morning. Spirit of God. Lord, the freshness of your presence. Lord, we cast our every care and burden upon you, Lord, that weighs us down so that we can run the race, Lord, without hindrances, restrictions, limitations. Even your word said, casting off every sin that so easily entangles us and snares us, Lord. Search us, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, call us, Lord, back to why you saved us, Lord. It wasn't just for ourselves, but it's so that we could be a witness and a testimony to others, Lord. Father, we pray that, Lord, give us your freshness. Give us your heart, Lord, your love, Lord. Baptize us, Lord, in your love, Lord, fresh and new this morning, Father. In these days, O oh Lord, so draw us and woo us, Lord, that we're not caught up by the things of this world, the activities and the stuff, the stuff that's going to pass away, the stuff that we're not even going to take into eternity, the things that, Lord, they're not going with us. The only thing we're taking with us is souls, people, lives. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Larry, lead us in that song of worship today. Let it be your, let it be your prayer of worship, what you sing. You are worthy of it all. Only you, Lord. Only you, Jesus. Jesus.